All right, you guys. We are in 2 Samuel chapter 2. And um, so my mom, my mom reads books and she'll get a, like post-it notes or a card or maybe she'll just write in the book. And as she's reading along and she reads this person, Az- Azael, she writes down their name in the back. And then she kind of, you know, she did this with The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. Like, there's just so many characters and there's so many weird names. And she would have these little notes of who they were or who they were the brother of or who they were related to, what they did. So then when she gets to the end of the book, good grief. How can she remember this whole book that she read? But she can look at her note and she's got every person written down. And, oh, that was this guy and that was this guy. And she knows and she can keep track of it. Second Samuel is a great book to do that with. Um, I've, I have this dream someday to make Pokemon cards, but they will be Bible trading cards and they will be of all these characters. And we're going to talk about a whole bunch of different people today and they all get introduced and it, it's really fun to keep track of. I, w- I don't want to spoil anything. But it's fun to keep track. Like if you were watching it on a movie, you'd recognize that guy when you saw him again, right? When you're reading him, it's kind of hard to, you know, you read Abner and you read Azel, and it's easy to all the names jumble together. I'm just telling you, the people are important here, okay? So we talked about last week, Saul has been killed, the king of Israel. There's one commentary I was reading and it kept repeating referring to the the uh, disaster on Gilboa and I was like what what disaster on Gilboa what does that even mean and they were capitalizing it d capital d capital g disaster on Gilboa and then I look okay when King Saul died and Jonathan died and the Israelite army fell that was the disaster on Gilboa okay so David gets news of this, that Saul is dead. He knows that he was anointed king over Israel by Samuel, the same prophet that anointed Saul. He's been on the run because Saul's been trying to kill him. At one point, David was so depressed and he said, I know that at some point Saul is going to catch up with me and kill me. Like he had he had given up hope of ever being king and he had just said I, I'm never going to win at this so now Saul is dead and David is in the land of Ziklag which is the land of the Philistines and he doesn't know now that Saul's dead is all of Israel going to collapse is some, you know, does Saul have a descendant that's going to take over as king? Should David stay in the land of the Philistines and play it safe? He's got these 400 men that were on the run with him and all their wives and all their kids. So they they have this whole city and the Philistines don't hate them. So they could still live in the land of the Philistines. And maybe this is, you know, I could hear David say, maybe this is how I become the king is I'm the king of Ziklag. And this is the new Israel because Israel is going to get wiped out by the Philistines. 
So David inquires of the Lord. After this, David inquired of the Lord, shall I go up into any of the cities of Judah? Should I go back to Israel? Should I go back to Judah? Judah is the tribe that David came from. Other cool thing is this question of inquires of the Lord. Like, how did David ask the Lord, should I do this? And I know it's been a really long time since we covered 1 Samuel. But do you remember when David stopped at the, the tabernacle and he ate the sacred bread? The, uh, the priest, he said, do you have any bread? My men are on a secret mission. And he's like, the, the priest is like, where's all your men? He's like, the king just sent me. I'm on a secret mission. I need some bread. I have a couple men with me, but you got anything? He's like, I've got the sacred show bread. You can eat some of it. And he fed him, right? And then somebody ratted him out and they, Saul killed all those priests. But one guy survived and snuck out and he took the ephod with him. The sacred ephod that was worn by Aaron that had jewels on it to mark each tribe of Israel and the Urim and the Thurim, which were ways of asking God questions and getting answers. The dude snuck that out of the tabernacle and took it to David. So here's possible future King David with the device for hearing from God in his possession in the land of the Philistines. <laughs> the, the tension and the adventure is just mounting, right? What's what the ephod of Aaron is in the land of the Yeah. He inquires of the Lord. The Lord says, go up. David says, to which shall I go up? Where should I go? He says, to Hebron. So David went up there and his two wives also, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of, Na of Nabal of Carmel. Those are all important because guess where Jezreel and Carmel are? They're in the land of Hebron. So by marrying these two, so David married these women way back when he was on the run. But by marrying these two women, it's like he's been on the run and he is coming back to this area and everybody knows, oh, that's who Abigail married. We remember Abigail. You remember her when she was in preschool? And they all remember her. And Ahinoam of Jezreel, they'd be like, Ahinoam, you know, her dad is that one guy that blah, 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 blah. And they'd all remember. So now David, not only is he coming back to Judah, which is his tribe, he's also coming back and he has these wives and these kids of known people in that area. So he is a hometown boy. He's going to get welcomed in Hebron. The other cool thing is remember a while back when David and his men pillaged and fought and killed all these Amalekites and they got all this loot and all this treasure that the, the Amalekites had taken from various cities in Israel. And then David sent that treasure to various cities in Israel. Guess what one of those cities was? <laughs> Hebron. So not only is Hebron 
does David have a hometown advantage? I mean, he's like Don Mattingly coming back to Evansville, right? It's like, oh, David's coming back to Hebron. He's got wives that are known in the territory. And about a week or two ago, he sent a huge chunk of money to all the leaders of Hebron to say, if the Philistines ever took money from you, I hope this pays it back because I'm killing Philistines over here. So they receive all of that. David brings up all the men that are with him, everyone in his household, and they lived in the towns of Hebron. The men of Judah came, and there they anointed David king over the house of Judah. So not only does he show up, he doesn't show up with all of his fighting men like to invade and to conquer. He shows up with the U-Haul and all the kids to say, we, we want to live here. We, we, we've come back. We want to make this our home. And so the whole tribe of Judah is celebrating this whole region and the officials of the tribe of Judah, the leaders that got all the money given back to them that the Philistines took, they come and they declare David king over this whole huge territory. If you have a cool study Bible or a commentary somewhere, you might have a dictionary or a map in the back. And it's cool to look sometime at this whole region is almost as big. It's like a third of the size of all of Israel. Judah, Judah is just huge. It's all the southern, the southern area. So David becomes king. The prophecy fulfilled, right? Sort of. He's the king of Judah. That's not necessarily the king of Israel. When they told David, it was the men of Jabesh Gilead who buried Saul. Remember the guys, the Philistines took Saul's body, chopped his head off, hung it on the wall. Everybody partied around his dead body. All the Philistines celebrated. It was gruesome. The men of Jabesh Gilead got their swords and went and fought their way in to the winners of the Philistines. So these aren't just any Philistines. These are the Philistines that won. So they're going to be even tougher. They fought their way in, grabbed Saul's body off of the wall and escaped to give him a proper burial and to show him honor as the king of Israel. Okay, why in the world these guys of Jabesh Gilead? <laughs> Again, we need a, like, a little Jabesh Gilead card. Do you remember way back when, when Saul was made king and Saul was made king and nobody really knew, I mean, what's the big deal? Why do we need a king? And then these Philistines show up and they come to this city and they say, we're going to conquer you. And as part of conquering you, every one of the men of your city has to gouge out his right eyeball and we're going to rule over you. And they said, give us three days. Give us three days to decide what we're going to do. And they're like, all right, in three days, we're coming for your eyeballs. They sent a message to Saul. And Saul, king of Israel, what does that mean? He gets this letter. He's like, this is what it means. I must defend Israel. And so he sends out a message. Everybody, let's defend Jabesh Gilead. Those men need to keep their eyeballs. We're not going to let the Philistines take them over. And the whole country, it says, God turned the hearts of the people to Saul. And they all went and they fought and they rescued Jabesh Gilead. 
And it was like a declaration. This is what a king does. He protects you. He fights your enemies. And everybody was like, yes, Israel has a king. And this is what he does. And the people of Jabesh Gilead were elated, right? I mean, binocular vision for the rest of their lives. They thought about him all the time. So when Saul dies, the people of Jabesh Gilead are like, we owe Saul. He saved us. And that's what zeal they had to go and repay the honor, right? They were kind of in debt to him to, to show him honor since he saved them. They're going to go save him and give him a proper burial. So they did that. David hears about it. So in the modern political climate, every new political person that comes in hates and degrades the past political person, right? That dirtbag, okay, now I'm elected. That dirtbag, okay, now I'm elected. That dirtbag. <laughs> but remember, David is a man after God's own heart. Remember how many times he had a chance to kill King Saul and become king himself. So he was really honoring the role of king of Israel. And so he hears that the people of Jabesh Gilead went, fought the toughest Philistines and secured Saul's body and gave him a proper burial. They told David it was the men of Jabesh Gilead who buried Saul. David sent his messengers to the men of Jabesh Gilead and said to them, May you be blessed by the Lord because you showed this loyalty to Saul, your Lord, and buried him. Now may the Lord show steadfast love and faithfulness to you. And I will do good to you because you have done this thing. I hope that whenever you're reading the Old Testament and you see the word steadfast love and faithfulness, all of your alarms go off and your flag goes up and like you're driving in your car and all your dashboard lights come on. That word is hesed. And that means unmerited favor and grace. That, that word means um, loving kindness and care forever and ever. It means hospitality at my own expense. That is such a packed word. And David says, you've shown honor to Saul. Now may God show you hesed. What's really wild is what goes on here is there. David does not want the household of Saul to show them Hesed. Because David doesn't want the household of Saul to do anything. <laughs> he wants the household of Saul to, to fade away because he's going to be king, not some heir of Saul. The other wild thing is Jemesh Gilead is like um, Burkhart to Wrights Hill is Mount Gilboa, where Saul died, to Jabesh Gilead. Okay? So they're close. They're close together. So the people of Jabesh Gilead didn't have to go far to go secure Saul's body and all that. He died on Mount Gilboa, was taken to the Philistine city. But they're in the zone where the Philistines are. They are nowhere close, you guys, to where Judah is. So for this team of Davids to go to Jabesh Gilead 
is like going into enemy territory two times over. They're going into Saul's territory. They're going into Philistine territory. And since they are servants of David and Jabesh Gilead loves Saul, they don't even know if they're going to be received, right? So this is a, if this is a movie, this would be one of these super dangerous, almost a suicide mission. Like how, how would they ever successfully do this? And they go and they say, may God bless you with his hesed. And David, king of Judah, will do to you, do good to you because you have done this thing. Let your hands be strong. Saul, your Lord, is dead. And the house of Judah has anointed me as king, David says. Oh, shoot. David just went into the heart of enemy territory and won over one of the biggest cities. All to the glory and honor of God and the honor of the king. Those men come back. Verse 8, but Abner, son of Ner, commander of Saul's army, took Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, and brought him to Manahim, and he made him king over Gilead and the Asherites and Jezreel and Ephraim and Benjamin and all of Israel. Ishbosheth was Saul's son. He was 40 years old when he began his reign, and he reigned for two years, but the house of Judah followed David. And the time that David was king in Hebron over the house of Judah was seven years and six months. Okay, what does all that mean? There is a descendant of Saul who could be heir to the throne of Israel. And Abner wants him to be king. Why would Abner want him to be king? Abner is Saul's cousin. Abner is Saul's cousin. Abner is the leader of the army of Saul. Can I tell you more about Abner? Because it just gets more awesome. Abner was the leader of Saul's army. Abner has failed miserably and despicably by letting Saul die in battle. Right? So it's the whole, if you don't return with the king, you should just not return. You should be dead before the king ever dies. And Abner survived the big battle of Mount Gilboa. So Abner, leader of Saul's army, thinks that he can appoint the next king. And he doesn't want it to be him, so he gets Ishbosheth. Ish, the other thing about Abner, guess what Abner is? is Abner has come up before a couple different times. Do you remember when David knew that Saul hated him and he said, I'm not going to come to dinner, Jonathan. And you tell me if your dad, Saul, gets mad at dinner because I'm not there. Guess who it says is sitting, sitting next to Saul at dinner? Abner. So Abner knows David like a guy sitting across the dinner table from him. Guess who is sleeping in the tent when David sneaks in and steals Saul's spear in the middle of the camp and who David yells at and says, you stink at your job, Abner, because I just took the king's spear from right next to both of y'all's head. That Abner, same Abner. So you think Abner likes David? 
Probably not. <laughs> He's like, oh, David just sent men into the heart of Israel territory and gave these guys money and gave these guys honor and blessed them with God's Hesed, de- detaching them from requiring Hesed from the house of Saul. And now he's hooking up Hesed from God. So they have no more allegiance to Saul's family. And they're in the heart of Israel. We need a king. We need a king fast and we need an army. So Abner springs into action and finds his. Let's see. So Abner is cousins to Saul. Uh, Ishbosheth is what son? Yes, one of Saul's sons makes him king. Is this getting juicier as we go? Like this, like you got to have like diagrams or cards or something. Abner the son of Ner, the servants of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, went out from Anaheim to Gibeon, and Joab the son of Zeruiah and the servants of David went out and met them at the pool of Gibeon. All right. So Ishbosheth gets his men. David stays in Judah, but he sends Joab, Joab, uh, Azahel, and another guy, the sons of Zeruiah. Zeruiah has three sons and they are tough. They are like, uh, Hulk Hogan. No, they are like the rock. They are just strong, tough fighting dudes. And they all go out to this giant pool. This pool has been found by archeologists. It was about 40 feet wide and 80 feet deep. And there were stairs carved into the stone inside the pool so that you could go down into it and come up out of it. Okay. They meet at this pool. Abner, who's sitting at the table, right, with Saul and David and Joab. Joab was at that table too. Abner shouts over to Joab. These guys used to be on the same team. And now they're leading opposing armies. And he says, look, let's not fight. Send out a couple guys. I'll send out a couple guys. And we'll let them fight, and whoever wins, wins. We're going to do this like David and Goliath style. But no need for you to have your whole army fight and my whole army fight. Just send out a few men. Here's a secret. All of Abner's men are left-handed. What? All of Abner's men are left-handed. So... The reason why that's a big deal, do you remember in Judges where the one dude took the knife and stuck it into the guy's belly so deep that the knife stuck in and all the fat wrapped around and he had to pull his hand out and all that gross stuff? He was left-handed because no one ever expects a left-handed sword jab. It's like a secret weapon. Being left-handed in these days is like you're like super ninja. You have a thing that no one is expecting. So I'm not going to read it all because I want to move along. So they send down 12 guys from each side. They all get ready to fight. Right-handers, left-handers. Oh, surprise. They all die. <laughs> Everybody died. They all took each other. It says uh, each sword caught his opponent by the head. Each caught his opponent by the head, thrust his sword into his opponent's side. So they fell down together. And that place was called Hellcath Hazarim. 
And the battle was fierce that day. So that happens. And they realize that this did not give us a clear winner, right? So traditionally they would think, okay, God is on our side and God is going to help us win and give us victory. And that's going to show that God is giving this land to us. But both sides are serving Yahweh. And both sides think that God is going to give them the land. And I, there's no mention of God intervening here. I think this is just God letting people commit horrible atrocities against each other and not showing his side. Well, that happens and all the armies watching spring up and it's a full on civil war and it's a full on battle. And they fight and they fight and they fight. The three sons of Zeruiah, this is verse 18, Joab, Abishai, and Azael. So Joab, Abishai, and Azael are these three guys that are just, they're Conan the Barbarian, you guys. I mean, they are just so tough. They're all listed as David's mighty men previously. They're all super fighters. Azael was swift in foot and as a wild gazelle. And Azael goes after Abner. He's like, I am going after Abner. You guys can fight this big old battle, but if we kill Abner, it's over. So he chases after Abner. He chases, and Abner knows him. And he's like, Azael, why are you chasing me? Go kill some of these other people. Plunder them. Because if, if I have to kill you, Joab is going to be really mad at me. And how will I ever be able to look Joab in the face if I've killed you? So Abner knows there is a possibility that there could be peace in Israel with one king. And this could all be resolved. So while we're fighting, don't do anything that's going to make it unresolvable. Don't, don't carry this too far. And Azael is like, uh-uh, you. We don't know why Azael was mad at him, why he was so determined to kill him. It could be because it's hit, he could see it as his fault that Saul died. And respect. It could be that he's mad at him because Azael could have been one of the guys. Remember when they went and got the spear and he heard the story and the other guy, Joab, is like, let me kill him. I can kill him in one hit. And David's like, no, don't kill him. <laughs> they run, they chase. And Abner somehow sneaks around and takes the back of his spear and drives it right through Azael. And Aziel is killed. It gives you that much gory detail. Oh boy. He's already foreshadowed. How will I be able to face Joab if I kill you? So he kills him. Joab. I keep for, and Abishai come across Aziel's dead body with Abner's spear stuck in him dead. Everybody stops right there and the troops assemble and they're like, Abner did this. And if they were mad before, they're way more mad now. And they take off faster than ever after Abner's men. Abner and all of his men, they get up on a hill and they assemble and they kind of establish a stand and they're ready. And here comes Joab and Abishai and all of their men. And they all come up and it's almost like a face off. And they're looking at each other. 
And Abner says these amazing words. Uh, let's see. Sun's going down. It's getting dark. People of Benjamin gather themselves together. Verse 27. No, no, no. Verse 26. Abner shouts down to Joab. Will the sword devour forever? Do you not know that the end will be better? When is the end of this fighting going to happen? It's basically what he's saying. How is this going to end? Are you just going to keep killing off all my men? How long will it be before you tell your people to turn and quit killing their brothers? Because we're all Israel. Joab said, as God lives, if you had not spoken, surely the men would not have given up the pursuit until the morning. Joab basically counts to 10 and chills out for a minute. And he says, Abner, if you hadn't said that, we would have killed your men until the sun came up. We would have just killed and killed and killed all night. But since you said this, you're right. We're going to, we're going to fade back. So Joab blows the trumpet. All the men stopped the pursuit and they all went back. Abner and his men, they all went back to their place and all the fighting stopped. We gathered all the people together. They were missing from David's servants, 19 men besides Azael. So 20 of David's men died in the little, we're all going to have the face off. There were 12. Azael was number 13. And then seven more guys died in that whole pursuit. But the servants of David had struck down of Benjamin 360 of Abner's men. <laughs> so remember that whole, we're going to fight and let God show who the winner is. At the end, one side lost 20 men. The other side lost 360 men. And the 360 men had a home team advantage. They were in their own land, their own ground. And they were the ones that said, dude, Joab, chill. How many people are going to die here? And then Joab stopped, right? They took up Azael and buried him in the tomb of his father, which was at Bethlehem. And Joab and his men marched all night and the day broke upon them at Hebron. So remember, we're reading about this to learn about David because Jesus is the son of David. This whole section is really wild. and I'm going to spoil it later. When David has a chance to kill some people, he says, I am not like the sons of Zeruiah. I am not like Joab, Abishai, and Azael. So we get a little bit of contrast here. These guys were relentless and it's not over. Like if you got a little card with Joab written on it, hold on to that card because he's going to come back. And so is Abner. The way of David was not bloodthirsty revenge. The way of David was not go and wipe out every enemy we can find. The way of David was those people showed honor and favor to those that the Lord loved. Jabesh Gilead. Let's bless them. Let's bless them with God's mercy. Let's bless them with God's grace. Let's take care of them. David was not necessarily behind this whole battle of the sons of Zeruiah. Because he's he's not even there fighting. Right. He's back at Hebron trying to figure out how to be king over Israel and all of that. So 
And the Lord's involved. None of this said the Lord did this or the Lord did that. But the Lord is working in all of this. And you'll see it even more as we follow these people. And they're kind of side stories around the king of Israel and the cool stuff, the cool stuff that's going to happen. So we will pick it back up next week. But you've got to remember, and you can read ahead if you want, and then you'll have a couple gasps because it really is like an action movie, especially if you keep track of who is who. And if you already saw the heading above chapter three, you already know what's going to happen. And I won't tell you that spoiler. Only the study Bible people get that spoiler. So let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the ways that you worked in David's life to show us your character and to show us the character of your son, Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that you would be with us in all the things that make us angry. We want to live like your son, the Prince of Peace. We don't want to live like the sons of Zeruiah who pursued with violence and vengeance. Move your Holy Spirit in us, Lord. Show us ways to show our enemies kindness this week and pour out your hesed and your loving kindness on all of us. We love you and we praise you, Lord. Amen.